All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to episode number seven. Um, we're going to take the approach this time. And Melissa, I, I kind of uh, did this, I preempted it, uh, this uh, in our Slack channel conversation, but I'm not, it won't be surprising to you to take it this angle. But we over the past couple episodes, we uh, discussed um, training for uh, males and females. And then the differences around it, uh, nutrition for males and females and the nutrition and the, and the things, the differences around it. And I think that I made the mistake as well when we were going to say, well, let's discuss the trifecta of what we do for coaching, um, of this monstrosity of a topic called behavior. Um, I think we have to apply the same guidelines. Now, I hope that's not going to be a big surprise to you, but we we probably want to go the same same angle of saying what is behavior for males and females because it's all it's it's if it's not obvious to you and everyone it's quite easy to talk about our observations of how we see people behaving do you see do do i make sense because that's yeah. not what we did with training and nutrition right and i hope I hope you hope you understand that um because uh, otherwise, let's just give you an example to, 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 and we have to preempt it with this because otherwise we'd be saying, oh, remember our nutrition and training uh, thing where we talked about the differences of training for males and females. Imagine if we just said, well, what are males and females doing for training? Do you see how th that would just be like, well, there's not much in that. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, to reiterate, I'm not sure if you had any thoughts on that first one or this one, but, you know, we, these are large, these are really large topics, but we, we wanted to, I guess, to at least start the process of maybe opening up each of these topics to like, you know, five or six different versions under each one, each one. And it has to start with a template. Would you, would you agree with that? With Yeah. Yeah. What initially comes to your mind right away with the idea of tackling this with uh, behaviors in vitality and the vitality model for males and females? I think it just comes down to the result-driven methodology that a lot of us use inside of exercise. And maybe where that misses the mark with a lot of female clients when we don't take into account um, the behaviors or just the feel like feelings versus outcome and that kind of ties back into other ones we were talking about with um nutrition and even training principles when we start talking about right if we give someone a very linear progression where they're supposed to increase in percentage base or something or um you know exertion or something like that and a female may go off how she's feeling that day mm -hmm. and those things may like that may be a reward right in three weeks yeah. feeling better may be yeah. enough where for a male, we may just need to see a tangible ch change in the amount of weight they lifted or something like that. Yeah. It's like we've moved. Uh, so, yes, I I like that. that that's what came up. Um, for, what came up for me is, and then I'll tie in how we're going to eventually get to this because we're going to take each of the, the, the templated things that we have in uh, our education, our base of our education for coaching, and at least go back and forth on the language, the the possible upgrades, which I'm excited about, um, 
as well as uh, new cultural things that have come up that that would uh, get us to change these, you know, 2012, 2013 pieces that we put in place for that, you know. Um, but I I think of it as uh, we're in training. Uh, there's less less. I'm being very reductionist on this, but training there's less feeling. Nutrition there's more feeling, and in behavior, it's a lot of feeling. Right. So now now we're like well. And along this area of like training, nutrition, behavior, hope everyone can see we're now at the point where, to your point, uh, who has, I, I would say that too. It's not the first thing that came to mind. I say that too. What has been left out when we, when we make it very non-feeling based? And now we're left with this like, this big thing like, oh, exercise is just, uh, you know, consistency and doing reps. You know, it it just fall it just kind of falls flat for the what we're going to talk about today. So I'm excited to to kind of get into that because I have it down here as a note towards our end. I'd like to have some action plans for um, that you and I could leave people with with regards to how you can decipher uh, and be educated on some of the differences in characteristics and how that can lead to helping people move forward. As opposed to just observations of like, oh, you must be very masculine. Therefore, box number one, you know, yeah. that, that that's mm -hmm. the we want people just to be able to step back and say something like this. You know, uh, if if this individual, regardless of what we believe on characteristics, is in their heart a lot more than in their brain and that's where they live then how are you going to deliver a program that's going to get them excited about autonomy? Yeah, That's how I, that's how I want. I want to leave people with that. So it's up to you then. Right. So then we don't have to batter around of like group coaching versus ID. And it's, you know, do you feel the same? We hope we can leave some people with some action pieces on that. 100%. Cause I think that's where a lot of new coaches get tied up is like, we uh, feel that they're lacking in the consultation side of the client yeah. experience. And I don't think it's that they're unable to have great consultation. It's just like these knowings. You can create the most beautiful fitness program and give them perfect nutrition protocols. But the deliverance based on behavior is going to be different. Um, whether you're working with someone that's more masculine or, or feminine. And if you can't read that or decipher that, it can be very frustrating, right? I gave Susie perfect three behavior things to do every single week. I gave her the perfect program for what I saw in assessment. Why is she not enjoying this? You just raise a good point of, uh, I because I found this particular topic when I got into it um, in maybe late, the late aughts, 2007, eight, nine, um, because of personal stuff, growth of my family, growth of my business. And now I was at like, you know, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 consultations and meetings with people um, where you start like stripping it away and seeing these basic pieces that get pulled out. You start seeing systems, right, from that. Um, but you're just raising an interesting point that we have to make an assumption that everyone listening in who either, either is a coach or is some going to be a health activist that's going to be passing on this information can actually can actually get there right they they actually can they can um what am i trying to say there 
they they can they can recognize this and and get to the point where they're not just going to listen to us and follow the book they're going to actually they're going to actually make sense of it am i making sense of that yeah because i'd say that's exactly if i had just followed the book and I love the new curriculum. I think it's very well outlined for a coach, but if I hadn't sat there and netbud a thousand different clients, right? When I first got into CCP, sat down and had the consultations and tore apart each consultation and just like reviewed the similarities and the trends I saw with the different people I was working with. um, I don't think I would have become as competent in this, right? It wasn't just X's and O's. It was in conversation and that whole NEPA process every single time and doing it Mm -hmm. complete especially Mm -hmm. as a new coach that got me to where I am. Yeah. Thank you. Cause I couldn't explain that carefully uh, because I find that a real big issue today, not only in fitness coaching, but in relationships and communication with other people, we, there's a lot of younger minds who are just starting out in this, who are just quote unquote reading a book and then now have the answers for people's perspectives and their motivations yet uh, i just want to let you know well that has to also you know book smarts also Mm -hmm. has to come with thousands of consultations with people because if you don't go through all those practices you're not going to come to these realizations that i hope we can bring up today that um when it's put into words of different areas it's like oh my gosh that makes so much sense yeah and I can't go without saying, was it was it the same for you? Was life coaching the best course for you? Most favorite by by far? Yeah. Well, Sharon and I had the 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 most that was that was the most enjoyment of all the courses. I mean, I, you know, to use language for today, my I was definitely more linear, masculine oriented with nutrition and program design and assessment where I could like go in and just be a soldier for like three days straight talking, just hammering, you know, but I liked the life coaching so much because it challenged me so much. Yeah. It challenged me so much to really just look back and be like, gosh, you know, one specific way is what you want that's that's the way I want to see it. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you now get this idea in mind, especially the masculine feminine of, well, they don't perceive fitness the way that you do. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> that just cracks brains, right? <laughs> like, oh, James, people like working out together. It's like, you know, crackety, 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 you know? Um, anyways, uh, but I'm, I'm glad. I just wanted to, do a shout out to uh uh Sharon and shout out to our our previous lives of all the enjoyment we had. I can still remember you. Were you at Rain Tree, right? The first course? Yeah, yeah right? Man. It was a That was that... some big big shifts that occurred that weekend. Sean Mac- Sean McCullough and I talk about that. Uh um gosh, I mean, I think that was a pivotal point that made me 100% sure that I wanted to be in coaching and that I wanted to do individual design. It was through so all that prep work and working with Sharon that I was like, so I can't coach group anymore. Like yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And to keep going on that note, I think it was because I don't know if I'm speaking for you, but I don't think it was because we had a doldrum for group. 
I just think we knew there was a better way all of a sudden. Yeah. Right. Uh, There was a better way to like help individuals. Anyways. So I'm going to front end this, if I may, uh, very quickly with some specifics and it'll include language um, just for clarification for how we kind of land in masculine feminine for today. So the way that we explain it in CCP and for everyone to listen to today is we explain the the masculine and the feminine in a in uh, two specific uh, main points. Um, we explain it as hardware and software and the and the language around that. Hardware software means in strict, you know, probably non YouTube allowable terms, penis and vagina. So hardware sticks sticks you know sticks strictly to uh, gametes, biology, the hard, the hard underpinnings, right? Now, the, the better that science and technology and stuff gets, and I know we've talked about this on a gym's call before, even the hardware stuff is getting quote unquote better and better, meaning the hardware uh, dissection of brain differences and the connection in, in, uh, you know, the birth of a female versus birth of a male and how the brain development is differing in that, right? Um, So that's what we mean by hardware differences. Now, software is where it becomes uh, subjective and the word spectrum comes into the conversation. So software speaks of this malleable, malleable differences of a spectrum from those two base supports of the masculine and the feminine. Okay. So let's just quickly back up so you can understand it. We start with the idea that there's differences, but then as it's expressed, how it's expressed and how it comes to be, let's call it livable and expressed in society as a person, as a human, it is a, it currently to today is my argument it's a software programming. So that means that it, you're going to get uh, an effect size over time that certainly will still look like a demarcation of masculine and feminine and call it male and female, but it's more blurry today. More blurry today in the language of software. And I won't go any further than that because it can go down multiple different roads. Now, The third aspect of it, which is important to consider, is what we call in science effect size, E-F-F-E-C-T. And so what we mean by that is that it is important to distinguish that when all systems are stressed, this is the important point, when all systems are stressed, there's a weeding out process that will end up most of those masculines, 90% of them being males, and most of those feminines being females. When, when the systems are stressed, this is the key point. This is the key point when systems are stressed. So if we take that idea that if you do have a perspective where systems could be stressed, in my opinion, from my experience of thousands of consultations, it ends up being like a 90%, 5%, 5%, which is 90%. The masculine will fall in males, 90% or sorry, 5%, the masculine will fall into a masculine-feminine balance. And then another 5% of those males will fall into a majority-feminine balance, okay? 
Now, if you were to reverse engineer that, those numbers will actually fall in line with what they're biologically seeing. I'll just give you a more current analysis of it. Biologically seeing of individuals, let's use the young male, right? Who's seven years of age, who's like, I don't like the opposite sex. I am highly attracted. And for whatever it is, you know, you can, you know, you can go on with all the arguments of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it just like, you can't change it. it. That's just the way it is, right? That's just the way it is. And so that, that's what I would say that those percentages, if you were to reverse engineer it back to a stressed organic system, you're going to, you're going to get that fallout anyways. Now, before I go on just with those numbers, um, this, I, I am open, I am, and it is still an open category of debate today based upon those percentages. But I have to reiterate, you have to have context of what you're talking about of a stressed system, of a stressed system. So if you're just talking about, well, James, what about that research more recently that shows that people have uh, every, one out of five of every you know, traditional heterosexual individual has different um, perceptions or identities of their sexuality, you know, because that because that is a fairly good argument based upon data and research and et cetera. And in that, I'm saying it's still a subjective matter. It's not an objective matter. It's a subjective matter. So it doesn't take away from the fact that that emotion or thought is still true. But when the system is stressed and this is where it becomes you know, challenging. What I mean by systems being stressed is that you can't break biology regardless of what you want to do with subjectivity or emotions. Now that's where, so, so then you can see where all the trouble we get into today. I say we as society, you know, in terms of uh, where this falls into place and et cetera, et cetera. Last point on that, sorry being lengthy, but this preempting is very, very important to get everyone up to speed. So thank you for being patient. Uh, now we also have the, the third pillar of that thing, which makes it difficult. Culture and society today has an affect on this. Affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, right? Because of these systems are not biologically stressed at their height anymore. And I'll allow people to determine what they would consider the highest stressed system for their own uh, gender or sex. I'll just fairly, F-A-I-R-L-Y, give mine. The highest level of masculine stress, an example in culture and society, would be war. Okay? So if you're just to stress all let's just and I'll, I'll just put it in mathematical terms so it'll make sense you take ten thousand humans regardless of their upbringing so that means you take away nurture regardless of their upbringing 90 percent of all those humans will turn out to be males that want to go on a mission to uh be a protector and to risk their lives in times of war to fight for something that's bigger than themselves so that's what I mean by stress of a particular biological system and how 90% when it works back up. Now, to bring it to real reality, culture, there's no wars today. Well, there's no wars today in Arizona. <laughs> there are in specific areas, and we could use that as an example, right? Like if we have, sorry to keep going on that, but if we have, you know, uh, a poll of soldiers in uh, Russia today, you know, on the lines of Ukraine and Russia, how many of them are females? 
right? So I don't I don't mean to bring that up just to say, well, it's because of this, because of that. I don't know, but I'm just saying it's a, it's an example of the stressed system, if that makes sense. So due to technology and culture and society today, we have to, which is what Melissa and I are on a project to do, we have to teach people how to deal with realities. Dealing with the realities. And that's where I find our relationship and this show and the teaching of that really important. That was lengthy, but that was a preempt that I hope uh, gives people uh, a pause to say, okay, if that's the base of support, then here forward makes sense. Uh, anything there that I needs to be reiterated or where we have may have some disagreement on in the base support. Um, no, so I sound would, like I'm talking for another 20 minutes or so. I felt like the stress system was going to still confuse some people, but your okay. example of war scenario, I think clarified what it actually extreme stress would be. Yeah. So that was the only thing I had noted. Yeah. Yeah. The Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I allow people to go on their own journey of what that is because, you know, just a lot of people can't, it's very difficult for people to go into those areas of what culture, society, and technology means to have a stressed female or a stressed male. Because they they immediately think stress like, oh, they're anxious. No, that's not, that's not what I mean by it. No, it's like when it's pushed to its maximum. Right. So just to give again, a newer coach context for that, what would you use as a description or example of an extremely stressed state for a female? Nurturing and parenting, having a child and having seven children. There you go. Perfect. Right. But that's why I choose war because I, I, you know, honestly, I just want to, I just want to say what's in my brain and my body. You know, but because you asked for it, that's what I would say as a stressed system, you know, but, and, and again, you are correct in saying that though, how coaches, that's a great observation. I probably do need to use a better word than stressed because people can't get there on stressed being more than just being anxious. So yeah. Uh, how about strained? No strained. Cause then, you know, Motherhood seems like it's a strain, um, which it is, but it's, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with a better word. So thank you for asking that. Okay, well, then we're, we'll jump right into it if uh, there's nothing more. Um, I have a list. Uh, do you, did you go back and look at the list of the spectrum of masculine, feminine sides and, uh, uh, perception, focus, directionality. Did you have that? Awesome. Okay. So do you want to start with, um, perception and then tie in each one of them, right? And we're going to ask it like this. I'm going to look for your help on this. Uh, we're going to start with perception being a characteristic, and then we're going to discuss the male and sorry, masculine and feminine differences in those characteristics and then more importantly which is our project for today let's discuss how we bring this into vitality and training and nutrition and exercise and okay cool so we'll start with how the masculine perceives things 
they would perceive them as a being a problem and uh, being challenged. Whereas the feminine would perceive it um, in feelings and intuition and sensing. I love your smirk on that one. <laughs> your your smirk just says it all because they're they're actually they're, it's just so powerful, right? The books the books that can be written just on that alone for coaching. Like if the coach gets this, I'm telling you, it it's like it's a game changer. Would you agree with me on that? Like it's a game changer. Anyways, how do how what do you think about Melissa when you when you carry that over to training for the masculine and the feminine? characteristic so I think, mean, I think it's like giving up giving you're giving you're giving uh yeah. uh yeah you're you're giving off info now to help someone say oh I, I have that client or i am that person take it that um, you know i think of it as oftentimes again as female coaches coming into this right a lot of the things we learn are, are through a masculine lens which then i think um and i, I can only speak to that as being a young female coach coming into this and trying to emulate masculine behavior so hard because that's how everything was written. Uh, right. Yeah. And now learning to actually trust my body's intuition. You just created um, an upgrade. You just created an upgrade on our preempt thing that I should have said, right. Is that it is very difficult because the coach has to take a neutral, right. The coach along with Corita's, you know, discovering what your, you know, things are Right you have to take a very neutral approach. So thank you for reminding that. Cause that's an upgrade to my preempt. I should have said coaches have a lot on their plate to be able to sit back and be like, well, I think it's exercise should be a challenge. Do you see that as a masculine thinking, but, but maybe you're a female sitting back going, yeah, but that's not how I see exercise. So how do I explain this to the feminine female? to training and vitality. Mm, yeah. And I, I, I think it's good that we clarify that because that's what I do a lot of like my mentorship with my coaches with is working on both ends, right? My male coaches and my female coaches on how do you take a neutral stance to work with the person that's sitting in front of you versus right applying our own lens on top of it on yeah. how their awesome. experience should be. Um, yeah, because the language in there that I love of course, uh, is challenge. You know, like I, I would talk about that in mixed modal all the time. I used to say it, especially in the sport context where that is stressed, right? Physical physicality is stressed. The individuals that would come out on top are the ones that would uh, think the less and do the most. Um, and they loved quote unquote challenges. And the hardest thing within the sport for the females was the fact that there was no place for sensitivity and emotions. Can you see all the like the pain and anguish inside that for those particular individuals, right? Where your intuition and sensing is like, listen, it's not about that, right? It's not about that. It's about the problem at hand right in front of you. Which is like simple framework, right? It's like simply, again, just the language you use to describe what you want that person to get out of that experience. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a map progression with a male, I can give them very set metrics that I want them to hit or right where I want them to be versus how I can explain to a female how I want them to feel throughout this piece. Excellent. And they can do the same thing, get the same results, but different experience throughout it. 
So I hope coach or hope people just listen in. You you should uh, if there was like um, clips that we could take and put put you on CNN for what you just said there. Um, take that clip because that was the answer to the question that I asked. Inside of perception for masculine and feminine, uh, Melissa, if you were to take on the role of the coach of coaches or the coach of the health activist out there, what would you say? You just heard it, which was, don't be afraid of of taking that nudge in the masculine perspective of saying, here's the challenge you have in front of you, go forth. And for the feminine perspective, say, I need you to be intuitive and really sense what's going on when you go through this and feel this, feel your way through this. Do you see the differences there, right? Those are, now, there could be argument, which we don't want to spend time on today, but I, I find it interesting. It's the blending of those possibly that, that could create the higher, highest aspect, but we at least want to give some um, some words to that. So I really and appreciate that, that. blending can happen because of the longer someone is ex- in fitness, um, I'll always use an example of, I think cyclical work is a great way to do this is like, if you've taken a female through a full map progression of cyclical work, she knows her percentages after doing it for a year. And then we can say she knows how it feels, but she also knows where those numbers should be when doing it. Mm. So there's better context, right? So it's like, I always think we have intuition when we've already built a base to be intuitive on. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where that blend can go is like, yeah. now, you know, what you can hold for a 2k, right. You know, your pacing, that's a little uncomfortable Yeah. versus 80%. So, yes. um, I think that's where the fun becomes when we start talking about longer map work of like, well, how do I start someone in a 30 or 60 minute zone? It's like, they've got to have done it a couple of times to really know what is an 80% for 60 minutes. Yeah. You have to have experienced yeah. that, right. We had to, you have to know how to do that. So, um, that's where the blend comes is having clients over a year, maybe that, you know, two to five year where you can really explore those things, those places together. Yeah. The way I used to say it is that the, the masculine would come back with their Excel sheet showing the data and, and the feminine would show up with their emotions. Ray's like, (laughs) listen, I got all the data. It's up here. It's in my heart. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, where's the Excel sheets? Whereas it never took, it wasn't a lot to ask that masculine to come back with their excel sheet they're like look at me uh, you know what i did there that's fantastic that does it that's a great segue too into the second characteristic we wanted to touch on the differences in the masculine and the feminine with regards to focus now there is this is a this is a particularly really strong topic with regards to um young cognitive impairment for young males versus females and the differences in that right with regards to autism and and let's call it a, along that spectrum of cognitive disability where this system gets stressed the most and you start seeing male female differences in this this is a fascinating unfortunate but fascinating way of just of finding you know uh relevance to this particular topic but uh focus um and it was the segue based on what you just said there how would you approach this for the masculine and the feminine um, cause you just brought up the thing and I don't want to give it away, but you brought up the thing of, um, how, uh, and I'm going to give it away by doing this, but maybe you got something different to say. It was so easy just to prescribe the 30 minutes of loneliness on an airdyne for a male. Yeah. Right. It's like, <laughs> you know, this, there's the bike, here's the time, go to it. Right. And the mask was like, got it. You know, one, one singular, just tell me what, what do I need to do? One thing. And if you said that to the feminine, They'd be like, 
well, can I do seven other things while I do that? That would be the, that would be the inherent question inside of it, right? Number, number one, can I do it with other people? Number two, is that all there is to it? Number three, can I do like read a book while I'm, you, know, you see, it's, it's the, it's the characteristic of focus differential. Anything to add to that with regards to prescriptions? I mean, that's, you just nailed it, <laughs> right? It's singular focus versus the female's brain to one time, one to multitask mm-hmm. and to be able to do it, yeah. which I think frustrates a lot of male coaches is that yeah. piece right there. You said, give me a task. And the male is like, boom, 10 minutes, salt bike, go. The female is like, can I listen to my podcast while doing this? Yeah. Now the right? science and that can offend the coach is like pissed off because <laughs> she's not taking this serious. Yeah, we're still doing yeah. this, and she's like wants to listen to a podcast, right? Or cares about what music is on. Like, and I, I've I've experienced this multiple times with coaches where it's like it it offends them, right? I put all this work into this design, and she wants to like podcast throughout it. That's insulting. <laughs> oh, I'm taking pause to reflect <laughs> on how many times I said that either out loud or to myself, you know, where I was like, God damn it. They just don't get it. Um, and when really I had to learn about the, uh, the ability level. Now the science actually, just to be clarified, cause we use the word multitasking, multitasking has been shown in science to be impossible, but that's not what actually happens. What happens is that the feminine has a better ability to flow quickly from one particular area to another and to still stay on that topic. So you could see that the focus just looks different, right? But they're still focused. That's the, that's, that's the whole, you know, that's the whole thing. I think when you get into areas of, well, what is the context of the focus? Like, you know, really highly stressful quantum physics, can they like, you know, uh, balance their baby and like, you know, do a workout and do quantum physics. Uh, I think we're out in left field and we're talking about context, but when we're talking about these moderate levels of stresses to the brain, the feminine, uh, by far, I would say even the numbers far exceed the ability for the male to be singular focused. They far exceed the capability to flow from one to the other. Does that make sense with the science? Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's trying to pick on multitasking today. Like, it's not possible. You know, people need to be, you know, and this is, of course, comes. this is a side tangent, you know, issue of mine, but it's still within the educational platform, right? The educational system still says to my 14-year-old female feminine daughter, sit still, look straight, one topic, right? And then they're like, I can't believe that. Uh, these young females like my daughter want to talk with their friends or text on their phone or, you know, they're like, I can't believe it. You know why? Because the entire system has bought into this one focus. Anyway, sorry, sort of go on a tangent with that, but, but no, but it it does. And I see you smiling on that because it does come into coaching, right? Mm -hmm. It does come into coaching because we have to ask that we have to be like, are we allowing this multiple modal thought process to happen? for the feminine. And uh, what do you, do you think that's, I mean, in your gym, it's possibly happening. Is it happening enough today? I say, I say shout out to my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Colt, because we all had nicknames and my name was like rebel without a cause because that's just like my, right. And it was just like my English teacher, but that's just how my brain worked was like, I, I didn't like the singular focus, Yeah, but he was really good at 
not making that a bad thing, but acknowledging it and like, mm-hmm. right. So like there was more room for not multitasking, but to let your brain flow from reading into other things yes. in class, as yeah. long as I was excelling at the curriculum. Yeah. Right. Cause it'd be like, yeah. I was just like rebel out of the cause because it was like, why can't I just sit and do it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. And so, but I mean, I give so much credit to him because it allowed me to explore, you know, to be who I was and still mm-hmm. do really great and, and thrive in class. Yeah. Um, so again, I, okay. I use this in one of our first examples um, in one of an earlier podcast is like, you know, I have, because if you just observed an ID floor, what you'll typically see is I have a lot of my male clients that come in, they write down their workouts and they get to it. I have a lot of my female clients that come in and they will talk on their rest period, mm-hmm. right? Two minutes, my males will sit and like sit stoically, wait for the two minutes, go to their second set of squats. My yeah. females will be at the dumbbell rack talking about kids the weekend for two minutes and then go back to their piece. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they're, they're less, they don't care about their training. Or they don't value it. Yeah. They're just like, it's two minutes. Why wouldn't I just go talk to the person sitting next to me for two minutes and then go back to my next set? Yeah. That's so great. Cause every coach who's still, I guess we get to pick on group coaching again, but every group coach, I hope by even now we've only been through two of them. <laughs> how you could see how what we're discussing in the individual design transcends the concept of the masculine concept of the group, right? The group is like warm up is from like five minute, five o'clock to five Oh seven, five Oh seven to five ten is prep your workout five, 10 to five. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's like linear locked, you know, you know, model commercial, you know, treadmill, get people in, get them out 60 minute thing. Like that is totally unfeminine. It's just totally un like it's it doesn't allow for that openness and flow and quote unquote the concept of having a conversation but still being focused on what you need to do for the day, right? Um, and I again I, I could pick on that over and over, but that was a fantastic uh, rendition of that. And so I think that's one- also well, on that right. When you talk about the group model. It's like um, where yoga sits different than Orange Theory is. In yoga, when you're in a sequence, you're flowing through the sequence at your own pace a little bit more, right? You can feel into the position each time, especially for one that's like, we're going through the same sequence. You may, that's where I'd say there's a slight difference there. Why maybe more females gravitate towards it is you're given the freedom to feel into positions yeah. more than the set time of like, you're going from this exercise to this exercise, right? Without... The um, you just mentioned something that I think we need to back up on too for the preempt conversation. When you said, and this is where I come into you know the theoretical idea of what I believe for autonomy for each person. And if you step that backwards, a lot of people think that with my language, it just means that I just want everyone off walking by themselves in in a no man's land, and that's just the steps that those unintelligent people honestly take the steps to think that's what I mean by autonomy. But when you say at your own pace, that's the key distinguisher here. This is important. And I'll just, I'm just reiterating the same point in a different way. But when we say at your own pace, the individual design gym, like in San Mateo, this is the only place to get that in fitness today. This is the, I mean, this, and that's not my, that's not my language or my bias, right? Meaning that only in an OPEX gym do humans have the opportunity to still do a personally directed, personally directed individual design, right? 
at your own pace, right? So that's the, that's the difference between what you just said in group class and yoga. We basically are the yoga of fitness training. That's what OPEX gyms are because if everyone's still moving, everyone's still sensing, everyone's still expressing, but it's at their own capability with the long-term goal of autonomy still inside that. So I just had to reiterate your language on that. That at your own pace is, and again, it goes back to our hashtag reward the pacer. Um, that's our highest thing. It's like, it's not to reward the pacer to win a workout. No, it's for life, right? You got to be, you got to be patient and learn in this thing for like 70 years. That's what we mean by pace yourself. Anything to add more on that? I think you nailed it right there. And that's, again, no other gym allows you the space to do that. Nope. Yay, we win. Okay, next one, directionality. Uh, masculine, what we mean by that is, um, uh, you know, where they want to go and in what direction, okay? So if the characteristics for directionality, uh, masculine, feminine, this is actually gets covered, you know, higher up, but for the masculine, it's very goal-oriented directionality. So I want to I touch on that because that's in our language, right? Maybe you can challenge me for our language, what we have in place for, the uh, theoretical design of the tetrad and goal setting, et cetera. And then uh, fulfillment oriented for the feminine, right? So if you want to think about it for the masculine saying, um, and I'll just use current culturally relevant topics like uh, Jordan Peterson writing a book saying, you know, this is what goals are, uh, the idea of your future self based upon this idea of what is good and what is bad and then therefore look to this hero process of the future goal and and you know who in droves right what in droves if that system is stressed follows and buys that book and goes towards that direction males right this is like this is unequivocal there's no argument to that right so we should include both of those and say instead of saying oh look look it's just males following you no 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 you should say isn't that interesting? Why? Why? And the reason why is because the masculine is goal-oriented as its innate process, right? For this directionality. What direction should we go in? Well, we have to, there's the, here's the goalpost. This is, you know, a direct. Now, if you're on the other uh, perspective of it um, and you're, you don't see all the, in, in my opinion, I see like, you know, I see very clear as well. Use words I'll use, Melissa, is with goal oriented stuff is so clear to me, but it's also my fault. Sorry, it's one of my faults because I didn't recognize why it's so clear to me. Why is so clear to me? Because I love the goal, right? And I'll keep going on this, which make it even more humorous. And you, people can't see you, but you're giggling in your seat here. When you when individuals talk about going towards something and they're like, well, I really want to feel something good about doing this. I'm like, what the fuck? Why would you fucking do this? <laughs> it's like, that makes no sense. Do you see what I'm saying? Like in my own brain, I'm so locked to that goal process that for someone to say, isn't it just about the feelings along the way? I'm like hogwash. <laughs> that makes so uh, there's some insight into my goal oriented process. And if you don't think uh, I was heavy on that, listen, I've taught I've taught a hundred hours of courses on the goal oriented process, and I'll stop there. If you have any interjections of humor, 
I'm just laughing because it's like you're talking about Jordan Peterson and goal oriented, and I'm like over here with Brene Brown and Atlas of the like uh, Atlas of yes. the Heart and the Imperfection. Oh, and um, <laughs> what's kept me so aligned with my goals is the weekly reflections on how I feel from week to week based upon doing yep. these actions is what keeps me engaged towards the goal is the feelings, right? If I sleep eight plus hours a week, I feel so good that I want to continue to do that. But I need to reflect on that weekly to stay aligned to the goal, mm. right? So it's like, it is feeling driven. Yeah. And I, um, I've been talking a lot about habit building with clients and coaches and being able to do that with their clients. And it's like yeah. for a female or a feminine, yeah. there needs to be attachment to feeling the difference of changing something. Mm-hmm. It's not about right getting a hundred percent score on compliancy. It's the feeling of accomplishing it or feeling different from day to day by completing this action. Yeah, that's uh, so beautiful. It's the it's the feeling of the hundred percent score on compliancy. Do you see that? That's the differences right there. It's the feeling of the hundred percent compliancy. Whereas for the males, it's just like, is it a hundred percent or is it eighty <laughs> percent? I don't care, right? Oh, I was a hundred. Okay. Okay, that's exactly what I was going after because that was, quote unquote, the goal. What, uh, uh, an interjection here of, again, back to the coaching, which I'm just going to give uh, light to that I really appreciated in coaching. And it talks about, I've already talked about my growth in that over time. But, and I keep talking about how appreciative I was of all the stories that were shared in my office in Calgary and in this particular office in my all my offices. Um this is the greatest recognition, so it doesn't seem like as we move forward here, it's either one way or the other. This is where you could be getting it wrong. And Melissa just gave process to it in her own example, in case you didn't hear it. The only way forward in this is the recognition of the masculine and feminine, but, but the only way to challenge and grow the opposite is with the other. And you just heard it in your words, right? So if someone gets, and this is where we, and I don't know if you remember in our language we used in life coaching, we called it hyper-masculinity or hyper-femininity, right? That's where, uh, let's just say that you're having, and this is where someone who may not be experienced in coaching, who's just a health person out there and wants to get better, you have to see it as this. If you are moving all your marbles to well, towards a fulfillment-oriented approach in your vitality program, do you know what the first thing you need right away is a goal-oriented system? So this is where that blend of two is the only way forward. And that's why I wanted to talk about my appreciation for coaching, because I was always really good, personally, I know I was, at being a chameleon to whatever was wanted on the other side. So if on the other side, all I had was the Excel sheet, drip, one, two, three, four, go out there and get them goal-oriented approach, approach person. Do you know what that person needed? They didn't need more Excel sheets, right? They needed me to say, I need you to get at least a spark of intuition and feeling through this process. And that was the greatest gift I could give to that particular person. And I wanted to relay that to what you just said. It's that blending as we go forward here that you can see it's going to grow, you know, uh, everyone. And I feel it's a come by a moment or statement because we we all think that we're going to get stuck in silos of moving forward, right? It's like, oh, it has to be all fulfillment oriented and give credence to Brene Brown as an example. She discusses that, right? She's going to say, oh, it's all, it's all not, not in these terms, but it's all heart 
but the heart has to have a, I forget what she called it, a gift of logic, yep. right? A logic that comes with that, right? So you can see that's the, let's just be in layman's terms, the Jordan Peterson, Brene Brown, it has to be the balance of both. And that's where the coach can come in for the fulfillment oriented individual. Um, anything more to say on that for the direction? Perfect, right. Because the female loves chaos. They love like, right. The, the, the order. Things, right. And, but most of us thrive when we have some organization and order about our day. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean we can't do what we feel like doing, but we do better when we have breakfast yes. at a, you know, a similar time every day. We have yep. some routine rhythm. And I think that's the perfect blend is like, there still needs to be routine rhythm and goal for every person to thrive. We just can't just go day to day based off how we're feeling for the day and yep. expect to feel any different. Yep. Yeah. The way that my wife and I get, we, we ask the question every now and then on our walks, like, um, and this is just a side note for any marriages, long-term marriages, health. And I think this question is great to ask every now and then, maybe every couple of months is like, currently, what is your version of your happiest, most content day? And mine, mine and hers never really changed, but we've come to this new language over time. And I give you an example to hers is a day where she does have a list of things to do, but she can do it at her own time, at her own peril and whenever she wants. Right. So I really see her being quote unquote fulfilled at the end of the day when she had an opportunity to flow, to finish the list. For me, I don't want a list. I just want to sit and read for six hours straight. That's my that's my happiest content day, right? So, and and people can just take the sitting and reading versus Leanne's like uh, multitask and multiple things to do as being an example of this goal oriented, right? I.e., read a book, do one thing, stay focused, etc. And then for her, it's fulfillment based, but still, it's still a list of things that she got done. If that adds some personal flavor to it, one hundred percent. That's a perfect Sunday. Is me getting to do all the things I have on my list and feel accomplished getting them done without having to like a time domain around it. Yeah. And Josh can go play, you know, a round of golf for yeah. five hours. Yeah. Perfect example. <laughs> Cause golf is that it's a goal oriented 18 holes straight, follow the orders, right. Stay in the lanes. Right. And for you, it's like, no, I need to just like go like this and like tackle these things and reintegrate and reintegrate, et cetera. Yeah. It's wonderful. Awesome. Okay. Moving on, uh, strength. So if you were to, and I know I'll just rehash, you know, we are talking about monster things, right, for masculine and feminine, but we have to keep going on this to at least have some um, differences. Mm -hmm. So the masculine uh, strength would be uh, confidence in, in that particular direction for life and the confidence being an indicator of trust. And for the feminine, the strength would be uh, loving, nurturing. And here comes the, the my favorite word inside of the feminine ideal is bringing radiance to life. And uh, a strength of the feminine, which I think, you know, uh, I'll speak on behalf of having these um, female feminines around me my whole life, is that they do such a good job of attracting people into their bodies and their hearts. So just just think about that in the opposite. Try to ask yourself this question. How many males are have been around in your life, not your particular life, but everyone's life, males who've been in your who've been in your life who really make you want to 
get inside of their heart, like to know more about their heart and their body. If you were to stress that system out, it happens very, very few times. Whereas, I mean, the numbers are unbelievable in the difference. I would say like a thousand to one, you know, where I had those thousand female examples and clients, uh, parents, sisters, friends, for example, for you, there's just this attraction to get into their hearts, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I could keep going on that for why we find that attraction. Um, but uh, we, we covered that in the mating episode, as well as just the understanding of stuff that we just don't, like to make it sound simple. I love it. And I fall in love with it because I don't understand it. I hope that makes sense. Right. It, it's not it's not in me. Right. But if you were to say something like, well, what is a characteristic inside of you, James, that you think it's strong? That is a reflection of what most males have. And I would I would say. You know, uh, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of females find this attraction in males, a male who is confident in themselves, right? And this is where those uncomfortable terms for today of patriarchy, um, chivalry, uh, the, these things get like, co they get corrupted, honestly, with, with incorrect language, but we're not seeing these wonderful characteristics. And that's where I love this word strength and confidence that could kind of quiet all that. And then back to the feminine in terms of the characteristics that I love is that attraction into their hearts. And for mm -hmm. those who are spiritually connected into your soul. Right. Yeah. I think it's all around definition and language because confidence, right. Is like, when we talk about the mass and confidence, it's not ego. It's not being pompous or egotistical. It's being confident, which makes you trust or feel safe around that person. And the female is typically, the feminine is typically looking for that trust mm -hmm. in that person. And that's where I think we've got, like, to your point, the language has just got a little too blurry there that, like, confidence is not being pompous. It's two different yeah. things there. It's not, right? So, um this is what I, this is where we discussed member in the mating episode, right? Of sex and the, the deep, the, like one of the deepest, and I'll repeat one of the deepest aspects of, you know, humans and human connection and relationships is sexual intimacy. It's like the deepest. Now, what I, what I mean, if you're not connecting to what you just said with regards to confidence, imagine how much trust someone has to have in another to get to those levels of the deepest aspects of sexual intimacy. This is where, this is a great example. And I didn't set this up previously, but this is where we're talking about stressed systems, right? Where does this confidence and trust get its highest example? It's back to that point of intimacy with uh, us, another, right? And so hopefully I can bring more words to how important that is, right? And how important it is and how really, like how that needs to be, to your point, how do you build that? I mean, that's a separate episode and we covered it a little bit, but think about those things. How do you build the deepest level of trust for another person to find their deepest level of confidence that becomes attractive, right? And then get into that union. I mean, that's just a, yeah, I, I just, I just pause to think about, gosh, how, <laughs> just how crazy it's gotten today to for that anyways uh sorry to take it on us on a sidewind of it but uh, i appreciate your language in in or sorry your reiteration of how important confidence meaning 
self-confidence and, and not ego confidence. And on that one with strength that, you know, if we're taking a neutral stance as a coach, you know, for the female coach or the feminine, um, in a coaching role, you do need to allude, right? You do need to put off a certain level of confidence to build trust with a client. So that still does, that's where I think the blend comes in. Yes. Is yes, in my own personal training and relationship with fitness, I'm very feminine. Um, but when it comes to my role as a coach, right, if I'm taking a neutral stance, I'm working with a female or a male, you know, there, do, there does need to be that level of masculinity that you can bring to the table to build trust with the client. Yeah, what's the, <laughs> what was the YouTube uh, video that Sharon used to show? Uh, the nail, nail in the head. Do you remember the name? Yeah, of this, this comes up at least once a month in our relationship. Good. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, we should we should uh, link that video I'll in, link that video. okay? Yeah. Because that hits. Ironically, it hits the nail on the head. To your point, yeah. um, that uh, you know the the masculine just wants to fix things, and the the feminine wants to discuss why you want to fix things. <laughs> they want the discussion around it, right? <laughs> so we we see. We see the problems different, right? But your point you just raised, that's that are that's what the strength is of the feminine. The feminine is to be able to like work around multiple different ways of coming at it. Whereas the strength in males is their confidence. Now, and I, I could we could go on and on, uh, because I think that especially when you get into the political realm and uh, the understanding of authority and I idolatry today for politics. Just, I'm just going to ask listeners to, to think about how you can move an entire nation with ideas, right. By seemingly looking like you're confident. Think about that for a second. Right. And then, and then we're all like, I can't believe they, I can't believe, you know, because the common thing would be, I can't believe we had 74 million people vote for Trump. It's like, take a second to think about what I just said, right? If a person can prove that they are in their own belief confident, right? Do you think you're going to get trust on the deepest level based upon people's beliefs? So that just gives us pause to reflect on it's looking like a really tiny subject, but when it gets up to the really height of civilization and society, it's a massive subject. It's a massive subject. So, uh, and that could go, my gosh, that one could go really long. Uh, but let's move on to top priorities. Yeah. I, uh, I'm just going to keep this one short because I love talking about this one um, ad nauseum. But uh, the top priority for uh, the masculine is the quest for freedom. And the top priority for the feminine is relation and love. Uh, anything yeah. that you would add to that to give to the health act activist or the uh, coach out there in this understanding for the vitality program or prescriptions? <laughs> Take as much time as you need, because I know you're going to have some uh, good ones in your pocket that you probably had just given to uh to clients, not to put any pressure on you, but you probably do it every day. And you don't even know you do it specifically. I think this one digs priorities, like digs into like long-term success with the person you're working with, right? Like really defining what does the quest for freedom mean to the masculine? You know, because I think that's where we can get again, like just some 
for a lot of coaches, it's stretching their brain beyond a year with a client or six, three, six months with someone. It's like a long-term relationship. Cause I think autonomy grows over time for a person, right? Autonomy isn't in three months, this person knows everything they need to know and they're off on their own, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but like this longer, this, this one, the priority, like the quest for freedom, like what does that look like stretched out? That makes sense. Yeah. The, well, this, uh, um, yeah, you touched upon where my my current uh, deepest, you know, intentions on education are based upon this premise and this struggle, i.e. because I'm past the point only because of time, because I'm older and I'm not coaching in the trenches anymore. I'm past the point when I say that, take that the right way, where I'm where I'm individually concerned over each person's top priorities. Yeah. I'm looking at it now from a collective lens as to what is top priority. So that's why I push super hard for the concept of freedom and autonomy for every person, right? Why? Just to reiterate here and see the fault lines between feminine and masculine is that we spent we spent 20 or 30 years focusing only on quote unquote relationships and love of the process to the end in objective measures has gotten the collective nowhere. It actually has pushed us backwards, right? So we are the uh, OPEX gyms are the antidote to that, right? We're the antidote to that because we combine both of them back to your point earlier, freedom, true freedom through individual design and relationship inside of that individual design. So you see the balance that happens in there, but I just wanted to, to uh, mention I, that I, I struggle with this draw out. I struggle with this that's a lot. I wanted, I wanted you to pull that part out, right? Was that it's been the last years of so much hyper focus again on the relationship that we don't see how that's pulled away from the freedom aspect. Yep. Yep. And why I, I, I constantly see, and I'm giving people books on it and knowledge of it. And you can remember, I don't know if you remember because it fall, it fell flat when I did it on the gym's call. There's maybe two out of 30 people that got it when I said it, but there's a lot of people today scared shitless of freedom. They're scared of it. And that whole, that, that thing in itself to me um, is, is really problematic. I think in culture, we are really, really scared of it. So my point being is that it, I, I sh- it should make sense to me because we've had this overcorrection of relations and love being just to use those terms under feminine uh, of being like the priority. And that doesn't that doesn't make it the ideal, but it's it certainly shows where these two things in my brain anyway I, I find a big problem with because you know to make it in in layman's terms to put it this way and this is where the challenge I get all the time you know someone will say to me James you're just not going to move you're not going to create uh, the right kind of ideas or movement to move billions of the feminine towards the concept of autonomy because again they think oh you're just going to be in a corner on a versa climber on your own for 60 minutes so you see that's not that's not my fault that's their fault for thinking that that's what i think autonomy is do you see what i'm saying there so i have this big challenge of how do i educate the public uh when i say something in a cnn you know 30 second bit listen everyone has the ability to be autonomous and free 
where there's a billion of 50% of the 50% of the population are like, I don't get that. I, I, I will never, I will never get that. So I have to find the balance in the understanding of that. If I'm making sense that yeah. we have to, we have to combine both of it somehow. I'm, I'm in that phase of that's life. That's where the I'm OPEX gym, you know, illustrate that more and more to the people around me of what does that look like for me as like, right? What does freedom of fitness look like for me? And it's truly coming into my body. It is. It's being able to do what feels right. It's going for a 60 minute walk by myself every single day, because that is where my brain finds like the most best time of thought and reflection, mm-hmm. right? It's like, um, but again, it's like being scared to step off a step and the ground's underneath you. Mm-hmm. Like what help, what happens without that uh, codependency upon a coach or the relationship? We lose trust in our own abilities. So I think that goes back into actually, I think it's taking the, the feminine back to herself because then you're trusting your own intuition, right? Autonomy is, is actually having had someone maybe give you some framework so you can trust yourself in your own intuition, right? And I think that's actually, I hate to go into this one tangent, but I think that's where technology is hurting us because now the feminine goes, give me the app that tells me where I should, how I should feel every part of every second of my day throughout my month and saying it's intuition and it's not and saying it's intuition because fuck what the app tells me if i feel like i'm supposed to start my period in a day but my body feels great mm-hmm. i'm going to go in the gym and do what i want to do i'm not going to hold back because an app told me that today i should be slightly tired and inflamed so i should take it easy and go for a walk instead of hitting the gym because that's what the app says that's not yeah. what my body says yeah so um intuition is i think for the, the feminine the the biggest form of freedom it's actually knowing how to listen to what your body's saying and acting upon it, which which removes the role of a coach to some respect, because the X is no real on the piece of paper. Do not dictate what I do. It's what how I feel that day. Yeah. So that's my goal is that we can bring that more to the forefront of like you know, um, intuition is in some ways freedom. It removes the codependency from the relationship and the love side of like why I need my coach at some point in your journey. That's perfectly put and a great argument for this particular point um, and reiterates my point on in 2023, this is whether we like it or not, I still think this reactionary overcorrection of going towards intuition is a positive thing to your point, right? But it's a, uh, it's an argument for you know, I would say in, in terms for under the feminine, that's again, it's it's highlighting the strength of what you have the capability of doing a relationship. Yeah, you're the best at relationships. Don't forget, you're the best relationship with yourself. Right. Like you're the you're the top of the game on that. I mean, that's your that's your that's your stick. But also, I would say for the feminine, that's also your challenge, Melissa. Because inside of that is also you have to develop the idea of self-confidence in yourself, right? Now, if you remember back, who has an easy way of going after that because they can see that the other mates or the mate on the other side is like, oh, they like that? Males, right? We can go to that angle of confidence, right? But for you, it may be, a, for the feminine, it may be a, a big challenge. But I agree with that, you. That's I think you are the your... ID gym. That is yeah. the role of the coach. Yeah, it your is... ideas are the answer for that today. Right. It is to bring highlight back into that, that part of yourself. Right. It's like the same thing, the hyper feminine femininity, like it's still hyper. We don't want to go that far. Even 
the feminine needs that masculinity or that coach to help teach her to find that in herself, yep. to trust herself, right? I don't want you to come in and every day ask me, well, what should I do? Yep. What is your body telling you to do, yep. right? Like um, that's where the, you know, I think the relationship comes is pushing each other on both ends, the masculine and the feminine to lean into those other parts of themselves. Beautifully said. Uh, moving on. Primary fear of the masculine is a uh, fear of failure. And the primary fear of the feminine is rejection and loss of love. Um, I mean, there's, gosh, uh, so many ways that we could uh, just capitalize on this in terms of, uh, you know, getting it to the to the public, but uh, I can give you an example of it that would be uh, a, a, a little bit of a counter to this, but also it challenges our thinking, okay? Um, I had a female athlete who fell into the 5% of the dominant masculine characteristics. Okay. So a female, so remember, this is the 5%, but this is where we could at least discuss the realities of 5% versus 90. And they would go through stressful physiological things and just like you could see them, their, their emotions and their body actually just exploding. I don't know any other way to say it, but they would just like explode. Right. And during times of like major physical stress, they would just like cry through the entire 30 minutes of physiological stress, right? And the de when you get down to the questions of quiet times and patience and silence, and we kind of reminisce, it was their deepest fear of failing for myself. Like they, they didn't want to fail me. They didn't want to fail their family. They didn't want to fail everyone that has gotten behind them, Right. That's what brought up all that shit. So that was a, that's a wonderful story of the 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 still under the masculine, right? Under the masculine, um, I mean it. That falls deep. That shit goes like really deep, like down to like three year old, five year old formative years stuff, right? And and to keep going on that one for me, I can remember it. I remember crying my eyes out because Ricky Burke tripped me up behind the net playing hockey and then went and scored and no one saw it. So my, my, you could see that inside of that, it was a form of failing for myself and I had failed quote unquote. And it's like, it's a deep seated thing inside of the masculine that I just wanted to give some ideas to it in two lines there. The, the the female that can show up with the 5% of that masculine trait and the masculine that can show up and speak to it. Could you want to speak to the feminine aspect of it or give another story to the masculine perspective of fear of failure? Uh, I mean, just because it's very timely to yesterday's game, it's like the last, uh, how the Chiefs and Bengals game ended yesterday, right? Like we watched it and they kept replaying at the end, the uh, like in the last plays where the guy knocked him out of, out of lines and then they ended up scoring and winning. is like, he'll always hold on to that failure of that one play, whether again, the whole entire game got to where it got to that one play was his failure. And that made the game the way the game went. Uh -huh. Whereas, that, that's 
Whereas the feminine would be like, do they still love me after that? Right. Like, does my team still, right? Like concerned about the team. How does my team perceive me? Am I still wanted? Do they still want me concerned about those things? Yeah. Um, Great. And that's why I think it's like fun because we can, that's, I think sport is a great place to see the different dynamics. Stress system. Stress system, right? Again, it's like, um, I think, you know, at a game like that, if a, if a female messed up a play, it would be the fear of rejection of the team. How totally. does the team perceive me? Totally. I can tell you that's true. Team love afterwards to say it's okay that, right, we're a team versus yep. going and kicking balls for an hour by yourself because you failed. Yep. Right. Like yep. I think the masculine would go straight to going back out to practicing mm-hmm. and fixing the fault that caused the failure. Yep. Yep. This is man. Gosh, that's a great, that's a great observation, Melissa, that uh, I'll just give uh, a couple. The the challenges, I just want people to think about this. All the challenges proposed inside the strain that I used to see on elite female CrossFitters who were out there on the field alone for days. So just think about that. And you could just, you know, back to this point of what the primary fear is, right? Um, Tie in the differences of what you just mentioned there for, um, have you ever watched, uh, I'm not asking you, but I'm asking everyone, have you ever watched female gymnastics competitions? And just watch what happens after all the, each of the events, right? Right. Watch what happens. It is you could see it on their faces. Right. They just, quote unquote, would score a 10 or something. But even from the new, the the uh, the naive, immature eye of mine, when I see it, you know, even me and Hannah were looking at that. That was like, oh, I was really freaking good. And the score was really good. And they're just flooded with their friends. Right. Yeah. As if to kind of test, like, do you are we still friends like are we still in love are we we're all doing this together do you see what i'm saying and then watch the differences for when the male does it for a high rings or whatever it's just him and him and his coach do you see now if you could say well there's there's that's just that just doesn't go on in the culture and the ethics of male gymnastic sports well, they have the opportunity to do it, but why don't they do it instead you see this male for example score 9.5 out of 10 and they're hanging their head when they land do you see the difference there because with the female who scores nine and a half out of ten she's still going to get surrounded by 12 other females right because they recognize that rejection and a loss of friendship and love right now is the most important thing so i just love the example of that for sport and uh seeing because it's a it's a stressful physical expression example which brings all those things to the top that's why i really like it yeah i mean i think that you know i think that was a perfect example of it. i think it's the same thing if you have a teenager growing up right it's like what hurts more totally. your friends deciding they don't want to be your friend oh, can totally. destroy the world of a female yeah yep. this is losing this fight will yep. destroy the world right so it's yeah. like it just goes into, again, just like those pieces of like what's most detrimental in adolescence. Yep. You know, you have a sports or a fitness element. It's just um, it's those are the most powerful things is being liked and yep. having your friends. Yeah. And I have um, I am fortunate enough to have two daughters. And one sits on the uh, the <sighs> far 
a hyper feminine end and one is in the middle of the feminine end. So you would see the two differences in how they respond to failure to your just point in sport. Uh, Chloe would be like, am I still loved and respected by my friends? That's her first inclination. And Hannah would be like, did that give me enough points to change my ranking in tennis? Do you see the difference there? She doesn't care about, about as much, I should say, about uh, re being rejected or a loss of that uh, love. It's on that. So anyways, it's a, that's a wonderful area. Um, vulnerability. Uh, yeah. Largest vulnerability for the masculine um, in, in their characteristics is when they talk about their vision. And the largest vulnerability for the feminine is when they talk about their heart. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sharon used to give a good story about this is when uh, she would say, and I recognize this as well, maybe you could give uh, credence to it in stories, but, you know, uh, asking someone when you get really close with a masculine, asking them like really challenging questions about their vision, you can see tears come up. Like there could be tears of joy or tears of failure or something, but something makes them quiver, whatever, whatever that terminology is. And the reason why is that it evokes a really deep sense of being vulnerable, right? So, cause Sharon used to always do it to me on purpose, um, just to very meta, like challenge me in our, uh, consultations we'd have with one another in practice for teaching She'd be like, well, what, what do you want to have as your vision for CCP? And I, I would just, I would never be able to like give a really simple answer. Why? Because I was, I'd be very vulnerable in giving that specific answer for it. Right. Um, whereas if I was to ask her, um, about, you know, speaking about her heart and her love and emotion and stuff, it was never a challenge for her. Uh, because she had grown to that deep vulnerability about herself. But for some, it may be that case. I'll stop there. If you case you've got anything to add for the prescription for people or clients. No, I think you're right. And I think that's also like, again, where it is hard, it's a hard conversation, right? So that's where I think, you know, for the female asking a female coach or just, a, you know, ask, um, asking those questions or digging deeper into vision and things like that with their male clients it may be where you have a harder time breaking into those conversations. Yeah. And in case people don't understand that. Actually, I think that's a, actually that's a good one because for a lot of females, we're very into vision boarding. Here, yes. That's just a problem. Yes. Coming from a women culture, yes. very into vision boarding. Um, I have a yin yang of my relationship with a good male friend of mine. That's a coach as well. Yeah. And we do a lot of work together. And uh, that actually came up because I was like vision board with me and he was like, and we had to dig some stuff, right? Why was that uncomfortable? And I had just, you know, I guess I um, hadn't even, like, it was a good learning for me again of coming back to this concept of like, that is a very deep area of vulnerability for that person. Yeah. That's a wonderful example that Lululemon grows because they involve masculine pieces to their feminine energy. Do you see that? So you know, if Lululemon just kept talking the good talk and going in flow in a nonlinear way of moving forward, they would still probably, well, maybe they won't, but they wouldn't have good gear. They'd have no freaking layouts of where their clothes are, right? Their, their organization and it would be is sham, right? So that's a beautiful, beautiful example of a business interest um, that hits these two different things. 
I want to bring it back to the individual aspect for the deepest vulnerability of the female feminine mm-hmm. um, recognizing that in the context of coaching. And I just wanted to add to it. This is where I would ask a lot of coaches to become very patient with that feminine female that we don't want to jump the gun and in the second consultation, get to the deepest aspects of her heart because you have to remember that it's okay to use the assessment and assumption that a lot of feminine females find that very vulnerable. So be very cautious as you go forward. Anything to add to that from a, as a clinical parole that I thought I should uh, just intertwine. Cause I, I definitely jumped the gun on a lot on that and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't, it would just be like a flood of, of stuff. And I just be like, wow. I mean, all, all I wanted to know was what you, how you felt about fitness. And next thing you know, there's a 30 minute diatribe of like young abuse. And I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh. You know, but Hey, um, so don't, this is, comes down to a principle here. You can go with, if you're not ready to deal with it, don't ask for it. If you're not ready to deal with it and you don't have the competency and the experience, don't ask for it. And by doing that, i.e. not asking for it, it doesn't mean you go away from it. You ask it this way. How comfortable do you feel in our early beginning of our relationship to discuss how meaningful this is to you? That's how you approach it. Because then they can take that and go with it as they wish. But at least you've you started it with saying like, I want to talk about your heart, but I want you to be the person that dictates how deep we go at the beginning of our, our relationship here. Yeah. Um, I've just seen it. Just like, I'll say it's like, funny, but it's like, I've had a lot of new coaches. I'm feel like a female overshared. I'm like, well, you ask a question. Right. Right. So we're putting a boundary of like, how do I, how do I navigate? We're only spend 30 minutes in a consult and we got in some really deep stuff. And I was like, I get it's, if you ask certain questions, certain floodgates will open. Right. So uh, it's, I think you nailed it perfectly. It's like, it's not an overshare. You open the gate to some of these things. Oh man. I, uh, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've smiled a lot today because it's, it reminds me of all the enjoyment I've had of those. And I'll give a personal example too, of, uh, of a relationship between me and my youngest Chloe. Um, because I continually learn about this is that, uh, she is at her most vulnerable when she is into her hyper feminine sharing. But think about that as to what that requires as a parent, right? So at the end of the day, it's common, right? Where she just like corners me <laughs> for like 30 minutes and just like goes off for 30 minutes straight, right? And we, we giggle at this, right? Meaning you and I giggle at this. I don't giggle to her at this. But we're getting to the point where we giggle at it, which is awesome that she's learning to to know that I'm still there for that. But uh, that's a perfect example. Carry that over to coaching. You need yeah. to be there and just listen to that. That's the greatest gift that you could give to that person who needs to go through that sharing and being vulnerable. You just need to shut up and take it and yeah. listen. And uh, that that could be a good clinical pearl also for a parent to a uh, um, a younger feminine child who needs to go through that, you please give them space to just unload that vulnerability and that uh, deeper uh, heart stuff. 
Sorry, couldn't go without mentioning that. Uh, I think we may end it here on living because to get into, we've just discussed thoughts and emotion. Maybe we'll touch on trust because I already did talk about growth as well. Um, this is a fairly simple one. Masculines live in their brains. Uh, feminines live in their bodies. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that besides the points you made earlier on just like the intuition of how they're feeling as they go through it inside their body? Whereas the, the, for the males, you probably just want to direct the focus in program design on logos, numbers, data, et cetera. You know, it's not really more than that, right? No. Okay. Well, let's uh, finish then on trust because this ties in relationships, coach to client relationships. Um, and then we'll allow some space, I guess, at the end, if you feel there's other areas we need to discuss for that. So for the masculine, um, the characteristics for the masculine inside is trust and they build uh, trust, but they build it over time through judgments. So judgments are made over time and that's how they build trust. Whereas for the feminine judgments and trust is moment to moment. And I give the, I give the, uh, the humorous story, which is actually true, which does happen and still does happen. Um, if I don't, uh, like take out the trash after, uh, Leanne had said, could you take out the trash for me? Immediately, there is a long list of stuff that I need to quote unquote, uh, rehash and discuss and come back to, to regain trust of my wife, of what may seem to some people like very small topics. They are monstrosity topics, right? For us, like. Uh, if you don't take out the trash, I can't count on you to pick up Chloe after school. If you don't take up the trash, I can't count on you to pay that bill. If you don't, you know what I'm saying? So that to some, that may sound like cuckoo. No, it's a reality that has to be an understanding of both people. So I'm hoping even that little story can give you an example of how trust is built. And I, I don't find it strange. I, I don't find it to keep going on that. I don't find that particular example as well for Leanne. Uh, of, of being stressful or strainful for me, I actually get inspired to be the best person that I can be by upholding what I know she finds important. Yeah. Right. Do you see the thing, the thing in that? So it's got nothing to do with the, the subjective perception of what people think about her trust or lack of there for me. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with what I said I was going to do. Do you see that? So hope that little personal interjection can give you an example here. Can you give a personal one as well, or also how that carries over to coaching for a building well, trust? Yeah, I would say like coaching, right? A small one is if you say you're going to put a lifestyle in, or you're going to make a change or modification to a workout and passing with a client, and then you don't, right? For a female client, and then you don't do it, <laughs> she might lose trust in you, right? I mean, I think that's a really prime example. Like you cancel hey, like, the, the membership. The yeah, we just talked on the floor. Hey, that knee's bugging. Let's take it out for the next week and see how this goes when you remove that exercise. She opens her program on Monday and that exercise is still there. You just broke trust. Yep. And right versus like yep. a male, maybe like, oh yeah, you totally forgot. I got it. No big deal. Yeah. Because you've shown trust and competency throughout the whole relationship. That small thing may bruise the relationship for a female for 
who knows how long, right? Until she restored trust. So yeah. I think that's a really great one in, in working so with good. clients. That's so good. And to bring both our points together, you need to, as coaches specifically, you need to simmer on on what you have as an issue with that particular thing. That that's that's where I think a lot of things go wrong. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of coaches think that she's just simply crazy. Th- yeah. This is the this is what I mean by simmer. That needs to be discussed a whole lot more because I think it's actually on the fault of the coach thinking she's crazy, right? It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the fact that you actually didn't do what you fucking said you were going to do. See that that's, that's the, and we can't just like, Oh, I'll just jump. Oh, I forgot. You know, whoop-de-doo. No, 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 no. Cause that is super important for that particular characteristic. And I'd say that goes into right again, like for the male, it's like, I was thinking of it as like, you may be the most competent coach in the world. And maybe a male trusts you just because of like what you're, you know, what you have in education. But again, that relationship with the female is going to be, it doesn't matter how smart you are, what labs you can do for her. If you do her blood work and then you don't give her her lab results, right? You've broken trust and that yep. will make a client leave your gym. So yes. it's a big point, a pain point I hit in just even mentoring gym owners and coaches is like, if you're compliant, if your um, retention is dropping and it's like, let's examine why. And oftentimes, again, a lot of females will leave if you aren't great at those pieces. If you don't have great systems in place of when you respond to people, right? You say we respond within whatever, however many time your time domain, but you're actually not holding true to that. That will build trust. Cause if you onboard a client and say, Hey, your training will be up by Sunday night every single week. But then Susie gets hers on Monday morning, Monday afternoon. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. Yep. <laughs> I love that. I uh, I used to say for the masculine to get them to understand it and to jump over those consistency is love. Mm-hmm. And for the feminine, I used to say love is consistency. So it allows to your point, which is a good summation to sum, sum up all these things. There has to be a balance of both of these. That's the wonderful thing. And uh, I purposely have you know, got us to finish on that point because again, to reiterate, putting all these characteristics into silos is actually contradictory, corruptive. And I, I think it's actually uh, a really negative path to go for, for, for future human relationships. I really think it is. It's the, it's more conversation on the understanding of the silos but the cohesion in the end is the answer to make it kumbaya as a kumbaya moment. You, you know, we're not going to move. You're not going to move anywhere by only having the knowledge of one side. You're not going to move anywhere. You you could think you're, you could think you're really growing by like, you know, really coming into your own only in that. Well, I'm going to get, I'm going to tell you over time, you're going to have to mesh. You're going to have to mesh with the opposite because to your point, as an example, you'd given earlier, the person in a flow state, guess what they need to have for consistency, right? They need someone with directionality and confidence and the straight and narrow. So do you see the, the, the balance that we need to have in all of these, which is a good summarization, um, unless you have others. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
couple of points here. Do you agree that we probably could go through, you know, another 25 different characteristics and play it out, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Just yeah. So many. But uh, also, are you agreeing with it that it was really enjoyable to re- rehash this? Yeah. I love it. I, I think this it. is probably one of the most valuable conversations we've had for a new coach. I agree. This information right here. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that it also not necessarily only jumped over that coach, but went through that coach into someone who's listening here who doesn't have a coach. Yeah. That maybe uh, you could use uh, Melissa and myself as a voice, right? As your coach, quote unquote, so that you can move forward because the understanding of these things may make you feel a little bit better, right? When you, when you reflect on yourself now, you're like, yeah, I guess that's why I do want that. Or I guess that's why I wanted to do that with friends. Or I guess that's why I wanted that list. Or I guess that's why I've lost that trust. Maybe you've also taken some interesting personal anecdotes that we've shared to carry over to your relationships with your loved ones, your family, or et cetera. I, and I giggle at that one because, as you remember, in Raintree, as well as all the life coaching courses, we had a lot of laughter and a lot of tears inside yeah. of this particular course for that because people reflected on it personally. And then uh, it really helped them. That's why I think everyone really enjoyed this course, particularly on behavior. So I think we did our job. That was episode seven of behavior for males and females. And um, I hope that uh, you've, uh, uh, the listener has uh, taken something from it. Yeah. Thanks again, Melissa. Thank you.